Lord Jesus, we welcome your presence in this place and we worship you because God, you gave us yourself to be to be to die on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven, Lord. That our sin be cast as deep as the ocean, wide as the east is to the west, God, that you see it no more. And we walk in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus, and who we are in you in Christ. And so, Father, do we live that way? Does that show in our lives? Does it show, God, that, that you are Lord of our lives? Does it show, God, that, we, that as people see our lives, they see you in us and the light in us? Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for every heart, every person that's here, Lord. We thank you for these graduates and what they've accomplished, God. But there's nothing greater than accomplishing our, your will in our lives as we live for you and who you are, Lord Jesus. Nothing greater. There's no degree on the wall. There's nothing that we can attain in this life that will give us, that will fulfill our purpose like living for you, Father God. So Lord, I pray in this place today, we all today in this place have some things that, Father, we, look, we wish looked different. And I pray today you show us that, God. I pray for hurting folks in this place today, or maybe it's a loved one that's hurting. Someone they know, God, they lift up in prayer to you today. Lord, we ask it in faith, and you promise in your scripture where we do, and we give it to you, Father. You hear it, and you answer it in your will, Father. And so we ask it today. We ask, Lord, hear our prayer, hear our concern, hear these needs, Father. Meet them, that it be well with our soul. We walk in your grace and forgiveness and walk in that power. Father, let your word speak and penetrate our hearts today and move us that we be changed, that we be made to look more like you. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but have you ever had moments in your life, and maybe it's happened recently, where you've had a thought like, Man, I, I can do better than, than this in my life right now. I, I can do better than what's, what's happening. I can do better than I'm doing, but I just don't. I mean, seriously, let's be honest in this place. I mean, have you ever had that thought? Like, I know I can do better at this. I know that, that, that I want to do better at this, but I just don't. I think if we're honest, we, we should all be saying that. And, and, and what's funny as we think about that is that we have really this reservoir of untapped potential where we know that we can do better than we currently do, we just never have. And this applies, obviously, especially to the Christian life. This applies especially as we follow the Lord Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind. I think we could all truthfully say, I know I can be more holy than I've been. I just haven't. Untapped potential in each of our lives in which what we do doesn't accurately reflect who we have the potential to be. And as I think about Graduate Sunday and I look at these graduates and, and graduates all over, not only this region, but the world, God has so much planned for you. And for all of us even sitting in this place, no matter our age, He's got so much potential for us. 
I want to talk about today how we can begin to tap into that full potential. Because, man, I really think that we, as Christians, I really believe as people in our culture today, we're getting less and less potentially. That's not the right sentence, but it's okay. Right? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. I mean, we're not. And we need to talk about this because this is the kind of life that God wants us. Now, he's not only called us to live, but he has equipped us to live. He wants us to live. He's empowered us to live. He's promised it's ours for the taking. And so we're going to talk about it and reconnect that disconnect between what we are and what we want to do. We're going to look at a passage this morning from the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians has been kind of called the, the epistle for today. Why is that? Because it deals with so many things relevant to us in life. I mean, it talks about things like marriage and parenting and dealing with conflict and managing our anger and doing your job with integrity and on and on and on. And so if you have your Bibles today, it will be the New Testament of the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the first part of this passage. We're going to read it together. If you don't have your Bible today, it'll be on the screen. Also, you can pull up the YouVersion Bible app in your smart device. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And look at what he says. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up, up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But, but, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is a daughter. I can never say that word. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with, with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. We're going to unpack some things here because I think it really shows us here how we can start living the life that God, be the person that God's called us to be, our, our full potential in Christ. The fact is, is our potential is so much greater than any of us can imagine. As you sit here today, there is so much greater potential than you can even imagine. You see, it's very interesting to me that Paul begins this, 
this chapter here of chapter 5 with a command. A command that as you read it, you think, man, that's impossible to do. It's, it's impossible to reach this. But he says what? He says, follow God's example. Some translations say, be imitators of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty intimidated. <laughs> what? Be, imi- be imitation of God? Follow his example? But I want you to realize that Paul wouldn't have said this. He wouldn't have given this command just to say it. He gave it because he was saying to his readers in Ephesus, you have the potential to do this, so do it. And he's saying to you and I today the same thing. You have the potential to be much better than you are even up to this point. Whatever your life looks like, even in the last few years, you've been making some choices in your life that is not pleasing unto the Lord Almighty. It can look different. Your spiritual journey, if it hasn't reflected that, if your daily life hasn't reflected it, it can start to look different. If there is a disconnect between who you are and what you do, you can experience this reconnect. You can experience this reconnection so that you can become the person God created you to be. So let's look at this. The first thing I want you to see is we really need to know some things. And the first thing is that we need to know who we really are in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ. Now, before I jump into this, I think obviously it's important that to say that you're in Christ, you need to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There are probably some people in churches today, you might be here today yourself, and I don't mean this offensively, but you say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ. (laughs) But we know that you don't become that just by saying that. You ask him to be Lord of your life and you ask him for his forgiveness and you let his Holy Spirit take up residence in you and change you and transform you from the old creation to the new creation. That's the most important step you'll ever take in your life. And we're going to give you a chance to do that today before you even leave this place because I think it's that important. It is the most important thing. Now, as I read and I look at this, there's an important distinction that we need to make. Because as we say things like, when I talk about becoming the person God called you to be, the word becoming is a little bit misleading if you don't fully understand who you are in Christ. In this context, when I talk about becoming, I'm not talking about who you are. I'm really more talking about what you do. Because here's the point, as we sang about in that last song, If you are saved, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior, the who you are, the core of who you are, that was settled at the cross. There's nothing you can do to earn that. There's nothing you can do to deserve that. It was settled at the cross when Jesus died for your sin, my sin, the world's sin. It was settled when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, as I just illustrated, is when he came into your life. The Bible says the old of you has passed away. The new new came into existence. As Paul says in Galatians 2, uh, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the picture. And in today's text, what happens in verse 8? Look. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. 
Well, listen, this, I want you to get this. He didn't say, he didn't, Paul did not say, you need to try to be light. He didn't say, you're a little bit light and a little bit dark, so work on it. No, he said, you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. It's who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. You don't need to strive to become a new creation. You already are one. And I think that's where we've messed things up in the church. Is that we talk about receiving Christ your Savior, and then there's this, oh man, I've got to still earn it. I've still got to do this. And yes, there is obedience that comes out of that, but you don't earn what Christ has already done for you. You don't need to strive to become light. You already are light. The becoming part refers in this context to the fact that you've got to become consistent in what a Christian looks like. You've got to become consistent in what light looks like so that what you do reflects who you already are. So what this means then is that since you are a new creation in Christ, you have the spirit within you to reach that full potential in him. I don't know about you, but do you ever watch all these uh, reality talent shows like The Voice, American Idol? Can't believe the show's coming back again. Um, the, the hot one right now is uh, America's Got Talent. You watch these shows, and what happens? You got a mix of stuff, right? You sometimes, as you see them audition, you, you wonder, you get some that you wonder how they ever got on the stage. No matter how sincere they be, they, they might be, they just don't have it in them to sing well. They just don't have it. And no amount of coaching is going to change that. But then there are those that, step, that go off on the stage, they step up to the mic, they open their mouth to sing, and they just have it. And it moves you. And you say, man, they got it. They have the talent that most of us dream of potential to use their voice in ways that most of us never can you see here's what i'm saying is when it comes to being able to live a holy life a life that paul described as following god's example when he said be imitators of god follow his example you have it you have it god has given that to you he has put that inside you you're not like the one auditioning who has no hope of carrying a tune You've got it. You're like the one more who has the kernel of talent that is ready to be nurtured. For you, the potential is there, and you can be who God created you to be. Some of you here today, you've become a slave still to your old life. Some of the friends you hang out with, some of the things that you've done, even through your high school years. Some as you went through college, you did some habits that created because of certain friendships and relationships that you have had. You've kind of become this slave to your old way of life. And honestly, if you're sitting there, you're like, you know what, I, I kind of am. I, I'm a slave to that. And here's what I want you to know. If you have given your life to Christ there is a divine spark in your spirit. There's the very presence of Jesus Christ. There's the very presence of his resurrection power that you don't have to stay there. 
His presence means that you are not what you once were. You were darkness, but you are now what? Light. A new creation in Jesus Christ. And you have the potential to become an imitator of God. Wow. What a picture. More than a picture. It's who we are. That's the first thing. I want to show you something else. I think you need to really get a better understanding of knowing where your potential can take you. And I'm all about education. I'm all about great jobs and all those things. But those are just things that God gives us and blesses us with to live on this earth and to make a living and to do great things. But the question we have to really ask is, what does the life of a person that's fully engaged in God's light look like? That's a lot of L words. What does it look like? What does a person pursue? What does a person value? And I love that Paul gives it right here in three words. Look at verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, in truth. Right there. That's where, the, that's where the light of God's taking you. In this direction, all that is good, all that is right, all that is true. Look at those very quickly. Goodness, when you look at the original language, this Greek word implies this generosity or even profitability. Not so much money. We're talking about profitability. And while you benevolently give out goodness, and God might use your money in your degree or whatever, But how do you benevolently change the world with that? In other words, you're good to others. It's one direction God wants your potential to take you. In others, the righteousness. Some translations say justice. This Greek definition for this word is to give to others and give to God that which is their due. The light of God in your life will take you in the direction of doing what is right. It will take you in the direction of what is just and fair. Truth, get this, truth refers not merely to facts that you know, but to the values of which you live. God's light in your life will take you in the direction of living out what you know to be true. It's amazing to me that I talk to many young people, especially high schoolers, high school graduates, college graduates, young adults. And they will say, I, I know the, the word of God says this, and I know this is to be true in my life, but that's not what my culture's telling me. That's not what my friends want to do, or that's not whatever. If we're in God's light, our, our lives, is it, is it, is that is radiated out, it's going to take us in the direction of living to what we know is true. Does that mean it's easy? No. But we can't just give in to intellectual agreement or what's popular to the culture. I love what William Barclay, he said these three words summed it up like this. He says, listen, the light which Christ brings makes us useful citizens of the world. It makes us men and women who never fail in duty, human or divine, and it makes us strong to do what we know is true. That is the potential that God has in you to make a difference in the world. These top-tier values for believers to pursue, good, right, and true. But how do we get there? 
How do we get there? And that's what I want to spend the last few minutes. We need to know how to walk in the light. We need to know how to walk in the light. Look at what happens in verse 8 again. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's our challenge. Some translators say walk as children of light. Paul would say you can do this. Why? We just talked about it because you are light. The potential's there. You just got to put into practice. So how do you do it? I want to give you some rather thans. Some real hopefully takeaways for you today. The first one is this. Rather than living to indulge in your own desires, focus on living to please God. Rather than your own sinful desires, indulging in your own desires, focus on living to please God. Look at what happened back in verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Let me just say, the first, the, the, the first century culture in Ephesus was not any different than our 21st century in America today. Why? What do you mean, Russ? It was pretty much all about sex there and the prevailing attitude that pretty much anything goes. It's okay. Women were objectified then as they are today. Minor children often at risk then as they are today. Christian concept of abstinence before marriage, fidelity in marriage, unrealistic then as it is today. So Paul was saying, in effect, society all around you may be sending you this message of, hey, anything goes. But Paul says, listen, 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 don't even toy with the idea. Don't even hint at it. It will hurt you. It will, it will put a stronghold in your life. It will change you in a way that you don't want to be changed. God has called you to live a life of sexual integrity, and that means you don't treat anyone as an object of your pleasure. And we've bought into that lie. There are young women all over this area, this, in this world, that are buying into that lie. And here it takes it a step further. Paul also talks about greed, which is actually the materialistic equivalent of lust. Both say, I want what I want, and I want it when I want it, and I'm going to have it no matter what. Paul says, listen, this attitude of indulging your desires is not fit for God's people. It's got to be different. Why? Verse 10, remember it? And find out what pleases the Lord. That's what we're to do. That's what our life was created to be. It wasn't to create this wonderful job. It wasn't to create the perfect family. It wasn't to create the perfect house with the, as we talk about, the four bedroom, two bath, two and a half children and a dog and two SUVs or whatever. No, this, this is what we're created to do. Live to please the Lord. And so walking as children of light means that we say, God, rather than thinking about what will satisfy my desires, I think about what I can do that is good and is right and is true because I know that that is what pleases you. God, my life is not about what my sinful nature tells me I should want for myself. It's about what you tell me I should want for your glory. And so here I'm challenging graduates. I'm challenging all the people in this place today. If this is not your life, you have a chance to rather than today. You have a chance today to say, rather than living to please myself, I will please God. Second one, rather than making conversation about matters that are out of place, focus on making each conversation about the goodness of God. Go with me to verse 4. 
nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. We all know that person who is able to turn anything into an ugly thing, whether it be sexual suggestion or that person that can't string together a sentence unless it's peppered with profanity. We know those people. Can I just sum it down? Don't be that person. Don't be that guy or girl. It, it brings no good. And I'm not talking about off-color comments. I'm talking about the need to make a joke or a snarky remark, something that, you know, I'm just kidding, but it's an insult that you put the other person down as you say it to make yourself feel better. Those things, need to say something critical or condescending, edgy every time you open your mouth, this all falls under the category of foolish talk. Some of us struggle with this, especially on social media. We want to foolish talk about a lot of stuff. But what does Paul tell us? He says, instead of getting negative in every conversation, look at the rest of verse 4. Very short, but to the point. All those things are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. In other words, talk about the goodness of God. Talk about the things that are uplifting. Say things that will build up others around us instead of sending their mind down a dark hallway or something that's not light at all. I don't know if you've ever been to the airport. I'm sure you have, many of you. But have you ever noticed that there's usually some sort of sign somewhere, usually around security or before, it usually says something to the effect, as you look at the sign, it says something to the effect of all comments about bombs or explosive devices will be taken seriously. I'm trying to be funny. I know, I know that comes on, a, on another weekend of terrible tragedy. But what? I mean, yes, we, we live in a culture and a time where we take all that very seriously, right? And there are just some subjects that are far too serious to joke about. And you know what? We don't need to be doing it. The same goes for the things that many of us talk about. If you want to reach your potential in Christ, if you want to reach your potential that God has for you, keep in mind that just because you thought it doesn't mean you need to say it. Just because you think it does not make it right to say it. And so rather than talking about things that are out of place, I'm going to make my conversation about the goodness of God, things that, are, things that are actually changing the world for the Lord. One more rather than. Rather than being influenced by all that's around us, the world around us, let's focus on sharing light with others. Let's run down to verse 11, 12, and 13. First verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Let's stop right there because some people think the phrase expose them means that you point the finger at all the others that are doing it wrong, all the sinners of the world, if you will, and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. But when you read on, you see that's not what Paul is talking about. Look at verse 12. He says, It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Have you ever read that verse? I've read that verse before, but this week I was like, Wow. What is he saying? Sin is so dark and so ugly and so destructive, you don't even want to talk about it. Wow. Can I be honest? I'm running out of time here, but 
man, I struggle with this, and the church struggles with this. We won't talk about the darkness a lot, don't we? But then look what Paul says. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now, now there's a play on words going on here, but this is the point. We don't defeat the darkness in the world around us by talking on and on about the darkness. No, we change the world by defeating the darkness with the power of the light. Give you a quick example. After I, I, I got saved as a Christian at 14 years old and got very involved in my home church immediately, and one of the things I remember about growing up early as a Christian was business meetings. Now, some of you, if you've been exposed to business meetings and bad ones, I'm sorry. I really am. But I remember one particular night, the church was overing, arguing over some certain amount of money. And the sad thing is, you'd think I'd remember, but I don't remember what it was about. But here we had this just all over the place on this Sunday night going at it over spending this certain amount of money. And even though I don't remember what it was, what I do remember is how nasty people got that night. But finally, after enough minutes of that nonsense, an older gentleman stood up and he spoke up with a calm, peaceful demeanor and he truly spoke wisdom into the situation and I remember at the very moment of those words coming out of his mouth there was like a, a peace and a unity that went over the place and people began to quit thinking about their what they wanted and to think about more about the unity and what was maybe best for the church and I thought about that, and, and you know what happened? He shined light into a dark situation. In a situation where he could have joined in with them, he didn't. Or he could have even shunned everyone for how they acted even. Because honestly, that's what I was kind of thinking. I'm like, can you believe these people? But he didn't. Instead on that night, with his actions and his words and his heart, he exposed all the church that night to light. It made all the difference. You see, Paul is saying for you and I, graduates in this place, as you go through this next chapter and season of your life, rather than participating in the darkness that goes on, focus on bringing the light of God into every situation. There are people that are going to be on your college campus or there are going to be people at your new workplace that they are going to be looking for light in you because there are many around them that don't have it. And so what does that mean? It doesn't mean you talk on and on about how the dark the darkness is. It means that you let people see the light of God shine through. And when you speak, you don't speak about the darkness. You speak about the beauty and the power and the glory and the majesty of our great and wonderful God. I understand that's not a conversation you just have. They need to more see that in your life. But that will bring streams of white light into the darkened corners of the world. And I just want to remind us all this morning, this is our potential. 
I'm so tired of us as the church. We show up on our Sundays and we do our stuff and we say, oh, we are the light of the world. But we don't really live that way. We don't really live that way. And when we will live that way, and I take this seriously, what Paul says, he says, you will become an example. You will be imitators of God. That's what he wants for us. How do you do it? That right, this rather than strategy. Rather than living for myself, I will live for the glory of God. Rather than talking out of place, I will talk about the thanksgiving and goodness of God. And rather than being shaped by the world around me, I will bring the light of God into every situation. Because every time you and I make a rather than choice, we become imitators of God. For some of you, you're going to be challenged about this the minute you leave here today. Somebody's going to cut you off in traffic at lunch. What are you going to do? For some of you, it's going to hit Monday morning at work. Will you be an imitator of God? Or are you going to choose to not be? This is our potential. We have what it takes because he's made us a new creation. We have his light. We're not just light in the world. What did the scriptures say? We are light in the Lord. I want to ask us to bow our heads this morning. I want to take us back to about the first point of the message. I asked some of you, have you ever given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever asked him to save you? Well, what does that mean, save, you, save me? The Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, we were born into this world with a sin problem that we could not pay for. Some of you are like, well, I've lived a good life. I'm a good person. And while we can achieve those things in our will or power or try to do good things, the reality is you were born with a blemished heart in the sense that you were born with a sin problem. We all are. And we need a Savior. That's that old creation. That's, that's you born with a sin problem, and now you need a Savior to give you a new life. The Bible says our sin is washed away, and we are made white as snow. There's nothing greater that God has for your life. You'll never reach the potential of who God has called you to be and who you are in him if you don't know him. And begin to live your life for him. And live in that light. You need his light today. If that's you today, I'm going to be down front. I would love to talk with you about that. Come today. Give your life to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Others in this place today, you're like, Russ, I've been a believer, but do you live like you know who you are in Christ? Do you know the potential you have in Christ? And are you walking in the light? Are there any rather thans that you need to address today? My speech, my choices. Pleasing God rather than self. conversations about the goodness of God rather than matters out of place sharing your light rather than being influenced by the world I just pray we respond to his spirit today in this place I pray that we don't leave here just saying yeah I got it good deal check the box let's go 
Maybe you have some prayer concerns. This altar is always open if you want to come and pray at your seat. We'll have some prayer counselors up there that love to pray with you if you'd like to pray with someone. Rather than being who we've been, let's walk as children of light. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I pray right now over this place, Lord. I pray for every heart, every age, every life, life uh, where they are in their life, every place, every season, God. Whatever we're facing all over this place, God, that we want to choose rather than so that we can be your example, God be imitators of you. Show us that today. That we can change the world. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. We stand at your feet as we sing. You come. You come.